Welcome, welcome, welcome to the third episode of Where They're At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to feature wonderful subjects, people that have excelled at the highest level of their sport and also have made an impact to others in their community and socially. It is uh, my honor to feature this gentleman who was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018. It was long overdue. He also... um, is a gentleman that has is a renaissance man, a true renaissance man. 50 years in the NBA as a player, coach, general manager, team president, and of course for 14 years he was the NBA's uh, NBA's vice president of basketball operations. And he was also the 2002 NBA executive of the year with the New Jersey Nets, uh, resurrecting that franchise. And... Just in general, uh, one of the classiest individuals uh, in the sport. It is my pleasure to present to the third episode of Where They're At, Mr. Rod Thorne. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, Devada. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm wonderful, thank you. And uh, and there's so much to talk about uh, with you. And, and wow, so many different things. And the history that you've had in the league and impact in lives has been incredible. And I want to start with a quote uh, that you mentioned uh, during your Hall of Fame speech. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you look like. If you got game and you can play, you can be successful. And that really stood out to me because it's not where you're, it's not about where you're from; it's where you're at. And you grew up in Princeton, West Virginia. And uh, talk about how you the inspiration that you had to be a professional athlete, as well as the impact that your father Joe had in your development as a young man. Well, you know, I grew up uh, as you. Um as you said, in Princeton, West Virginia, which is a very small, almost hamlet-like uh, little town. And um, uh, my my father had been a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which team? He which team? Was, he, uh, he played in the St. Louis Cardinals system. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was moving along in the system, and World War II came around, and he uh, was shot uh, on Iwo Jima mm, wow. uh, when the Marines landed on Iwo Jima, and it it uh, uh, sort of negated his uh, baseball career. But he, uh, as an only child, he was he was bound and determined that uh, you know I could I could you know possibly do what uh, you know what the war had prevented him from doing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so he uh, coached, you know, the the basketball team, the baseball team. From the time I was five years old, I played on an organized team, mm. and uh, in, in basketball and in baseball, started playing when I was six. And uh, uh, he was uh, uh, he knew a lot about baseball, obviously, and and. Um, you know, growing up in a small town in in nineteen uh, in the nineteen forties mm-hmm. <laughs> and early fifties. <laughs> wow! Uh, you know, all you did was play a sport. Uh, you know, you played whatever sport was in vogue during whatever season, and uh, uh, so that's how I grew up uh, playing basketball and playing baseball. Uh, 
I was very, very thin, so I didn't play uh, football after grade school. But track, baseball, and basketball, I played, uh, you know, virtually all every day, one of them. Playing baseball and basketball, like really those, that emphasis um, of both sports, uh, you suffered a head injury, unfortunately, after you, uh, during your junior year, and that derailed your baseball, uh, your baseball uh, aspirations. But did you see yourself being a two-sport player like Dave DeBusher? Did you see yourself eventually doing that? If that unfortunate circumstance didn't happen, you know happen. Um, that that's a good question. Uh, I, not not on a professional level. Mm, mm-hmm. I did not. Um, I was not the strongest, uh, you know, kid around, and I would ne- I would never have been able to do both of them on the professional level. Um, I did, you know, did them in, uh, did both of them in college, but that's that's a whole different uh, ball game than when you're. <laughs> You know, doing it professionally, I, I played with Dave DeBusher in uh, Detroit, mm. and he was a gr- t- tremendous player, not a baseball and basketball uh, player, but a very, very strong, uh, you know, 6'6", 220, 25 pounds, and uh, he was a very strong guy. So he was able to do it for a while. And then he, he finally chose to play uh, basketball full-time, and that's when his career really took off. Wow, wow. Uh, but, you know, there have been a handful of guys who have, you know, tried it. Uh, of course, Bo Jackson in football and baseball, yes. Deion Sanders in football and baseball. Right. So and Brian few, Jordan, too. But not Brian very Jordan. many. Brian Jordan as well. But you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, the, yeah, very much so. But the, there have been a few, but not that many. Wow. And we're talking with uh, the legendary uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Mr. Rod Thorne, a renaissance man for sure. Um, and are you still known as a natural resource in the state of West Virginia? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that I, I think that one is long gone. Uh, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I was being recruited by a bunch of different schools and the state legislature, uh, somebody introduced uh, introduced a piece of legislation that that I could not leave the state because I was a natural resource, <laughs> and i I thought it was uh, I thought it was I thought it was funny at the time. It you know obviously it was uh, uh, you know something to uh, yeah I, I didn't really think a lot about it you know about it at that time but I thought it was kind of funny yes yes indeed and um, speaking of the state of West Virginia you went on to West Virginia University in in uh, Morgantown and you followed a fellow Hall of Famer and one of the greatest players to ever live in Mr. Uh, Jerry West and um, talk about how he inspired you and how your friendship with him developed at such a young age for you gentlemen and of course his flourish for the last past 55 years well it, you know i was a freshman when jerry was a senior and in those days freshmen could not play on the varsity mm-hmm. team right uh, so but we practiced a lot against uh, um uh, the the varsity team uh, because we had a really good freshman team that was certainly comparable to the second team of the of the varsity and uh so i i had the the uh, privilege of, of playing against jerry a lot uh, 
and uh, he was, as, as you so aptly pointed out, he was one of the greatest players ever. And, um, you know, I was a good player, but not in that category. <laughs> so, uh, but watching him play his senior year, uh, uh, you know, West Virginia was rated very, very highly. And he was, uh, he was just not only a great player, and you can see he's going to have a wonderful pro career, but he was also very, very nice to me. And uh, I, I can't say we had a great friendship he, uh, at that time because mm. we ran in different circles. Hmm. You know, I was a freshman and he was a senior. So we, uh, uh, you know, we were compatriots, but not real close at that time. That developed over the course of, you know, when we started, we play, he played pro ball, I played, then we both got into being a general manager. So over the course of time, we became great friends. And now uh, he's one of He's one of the uh, one of the best friends that that I have. I can't say enough good things about him. What he's done for the state of West Virginia, what he's done for every team he's ever been associated with. He's uh, he's one of the all-time greats. He he really is. And I had the honor to produce his 80th birthday special. It was a radio special um, in at Los Angeles, and I was there with him. Right. And James Worthy was interviewing him. I had the honor to produce that. So, yes, what a class individual for sure. Yeah. Um, so I wanna. Um, here's a greeting. Uh, I have a surprise for you. A few surprises today. Um, but here's a <laughs> great. <laughs> here's a greeting from someone who you inspired when you were a star at West Virginia University. Here we go. Hey Rod, this is your buddy Bob Huggins. Yeah, I'd love watching you play. Uh, I was a little little taught, and and uh, my dad used to take me to the field house to see you play. Great, great career. Unbelievable professional career. Um, you know, I think I think that uh, everyone knows you drafted Michael Jordan. I think Michael's very uh, very fortunate that a guy like you could draft him. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing you. Uh, we're going to have we're going to have a big time at the fish fry. We're going to get back some of your former teammates and and have a big time. It'll be a you know kind of an intimate gathering. It'll be you and I and about eight thousand other people. So <laughs> from Coach Bob Huggins, <laughs> well, uh, you know Bob Bob is uh, one of the great coaches in uh, college basketball and. Another uh, really good friend. I have a tremendous admiration for uh, Bob. I mm -hmm. think he, he um, might not have the greatest talent every year, but yes. nobody, no team plays harder. That's right. No team guards you closer, and I don't. Nobody wants to play West Virginia. That's right. You are they're right all about that. they're tough. They're always tough, and uh, he's done. You know, at Cincinnati and. Kansas State and West Virginia. He's been a he's been a great coach, and he'll he'll be a Hall of Famer. It's just a matter of time. Yes, you're right about that, and uh, and definitely how it just shows how you inspired him to have that mentality in the way you approach the game. So, well, he he was uh, he's a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> oh yeah, but he said he saw you know he looked up to you. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're 
We're talking with Hall of Famer, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Rod Thorne, who spent over 50 years uh, involved in the National Basketball Association at the highest level. And um, now I want to ask you now, you played in the league in, in the 60, you drafted in the 1963 draft um, behind, uh, you were the second pick behind Art Heyman. And behind you, drafted behind you, was Nate Thurman. And, and, well, Mm-hmm. There were two teams that made mistakes that year. Oh, <laughs> the, Knicks, the Knicks and the Bullets both made a mistake. Uh. <laughs> Nate Thurman was Nate was really good, but uh, Heyman had been uh, Player of the Year in uh, college basketball. Uh, had a wonderful career at Duke, and mm-hmm. was a local product. Was from New York, and uh, so the Knicks took him. The Bullets took me, and and. And essentially, I think the Bullets took me over Nate because they have Walt Bellamy yes. as a center. Mm-hmm. And uh, they felt they needed some help uh, in another place. And But then the Warriors took Thurman, and they had Will Chamberlain yeah, uh, already on the team. But uh, they were prescient enough to take uh, Nate to uh, – uh, you know, was a great player, a tremendous defensive player. Yes, indeed. But uh, yeah, I remember that draft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And, you know the, the you know the the draft was not conducted like it is today. You mm-hmm. know, it's a production now. Right. And in right. those days, I got I was uh, I was shooting baskets out in the backyard. We had a little basketball court in the backyard where I grew up, and. Late in the day, I got a call from um, a local paper, the Bluefield Daily Telegraph, and a guy said to me, uh, congratulations. I said, for what? He said, you got drafted oh. by the Baltimore Bullets. And so, I mean, it was, <laughs> it wasn't on the TV. It wasn't on the radio. It wasn't on anything. It was just that. You know, the NBA was, you know, in those days, the NBA was more a mom-and-pop type operation. And that's- uh, obviously, obviously nothing like it is uh, concur- uh, currently. And and that's what we're gonna go into talk about the growth of the NBA, the amazing growth. Because I I think um incredible. It, yeah incredible like nothing nothing else like it in professional sports in this country like or even business nothing. in general <laughs> business. It's, so. it's, it's, you know I, I saw a thing when they were uh, uh, eulogizing David Stern mm. where when when David Stern took over as the commissioner the. Uh, uh, the NBA was a $115 million business, and now it's three or four billion dollar business. <laughs> it, you know, it's been a, it's it's you know, and and when I came in the league, you had nine teams, maybe nine or ten teams, and you traveled um, a commercial. Right. Uh, you traveled uh, coach. You stayed in a lot of motels. Uh, you uh, traveled if you played, uh, you know, a couple games in a row, uh, which you did all the time. One time we played four four days in in a row in four different cities. Mm. When I was with Detroit, um, and uh, uh, you you, um, you had to take the earliest flight in order to get to. You know wherever wherever the next game was, so 
you know, you didn't have these beautiful airplanes with so much room to travel. You didn't have, you know, a trainer. Uh, if you wanted, to, if you if the the trainer of the home team serviced both teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started, wow. uh, trainers trainers didn't travel, <laughs> and uh, you uh, it, it was an entirely different league. If you could have told me back in the back in the time when I was playing in the '60s, mm-hmm. started in '63 and played through '70 '71. But if you had told me then that the NBA would uh, you know end up where it has, I would have laughed. Yeah. No, no way. No way. Yep. Absolutely. And (laughs) and yeah, it's funny. And then load management is so prevalent now. Oh, goodness. Well, load management. (laughs) I mean, you know, Will Chamberlain one year averaged more than 48 minutes a game. Yeah. Right. Because because the Warriors played several overtime games, he never came out of a game. (laughs) <laughs> played yeah. the whole game every night. Wow. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, when uh, I, I can, you know, when I was in uh, coaching in the ABA, we had Dr. J as our star. He played 43, 44 minutes a game. When I was in the league, Robertson and, and uh, West and those guys played 40, 43, 44 minutes a game. It was, you know, it was just, you know that's the way it was done. There was there was no terminology that included load management. Mm-hmm. You know as as there is today. It's uh, but if if you if you look at it, there are more injuries today than there were thirty years ago, right. thirty five forty years ago. That's there are right. more injuries. So you know I, I think you know obviously there are studies being done about that because. If you look at the athletes today, they're in better condition. They have every possibility that you have of, of getting, uh, you know, from weight training to nutrition to the way they travel, they, they, the way they work out. A lot of guys have personal trainers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at them and you say, you know, these kids are in unbelievable condition, but there are just so many injuries. Yep. And, uh, you know, does that come from all the playing they do when they grow up? Hmm. You know, you're playing in, on the AAU circuit from if you're a good player from the time you're young. And, and uh, you know, is that, uh, you know, is, is, does that have something to do with it? The guys, you know, joints, uh, you know, just, just wear out. Yeah. You know, right. I, I did see a study where where uh, the study concluded that you look at a 20-year-old basketball player now, mm-hmm. and they have the knees of a 28, 29-year-old guy, you know, Ooh. previously. So yes, may have something to do with it, but there are so many injuries. Look, look, look around the league right now. How many injuries to good players? Hmm. Whole, whole lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and, and and that's and and with your career, it you had knee injuries, unfortunately. How important was was it for you to have so much else going on? You know, you were thinking about 
you think about going to you eventually got your degree. Actually, you did get your degree at the University of Washington uh, for political science. And 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 those things. So talk about how that was important for you to do other things and be able to cultivate what would eventually happen as your career continued to grow in the NBA. Well, it, it, uh, you know, back, back in my day as a player, nobody made any money, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to even the stars. I think uh, Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain made a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which obviously is worth a heck of a lot more, uh, would be a heck of a lot worth a heck of a lot more today. But, but there weren't, you just didn't make enough money to retire or make enough money not to do something else. And a lot of times, you know, players had jobs in the off season, mm, you know, yep. to try to make ends, uh, to make ends, uh, meet. And, uh, you know, when you're young, you're, you think you're bulletproof. You're never going to get, you know, hurt badly. And, you know, I can play forever. And then, uh, once you get a bad injury, the uh, reality sets in. Then I better, I better get myself ready to do something else. <laughs> and uh, when when I had uh, matriculated at West Virginia, I was in uh, pre med, and I was in pre med for two years. And I decided at the end of my sophomore year that I was going to be a professional athlete, probably a baseball player, mm-hmm. but I was going to be a professional athlete. So I dropped out of pre-med and went into political science yes. and uh I, I didn't have enough when i left west virginia i didn't have enough uh, hours to you know to uh to get a degree and then when my career ended in seattle uh i promised uh, my my mom and dad that i would uh, i would uh you know get a college degree yes. uh and so when I finished, I immediately went to University of Washington and was there for and went there for a year. It took me a year to finish. Mm-hmm. I had twenty some hours I had to, in order to finish, mm-hmm. but I did. And um, you know, I'm very not a lot of people in my family had college degrees, and uh, so that was a uh, was uh, one of the highlights for me. You know, I was bound and determined I was going to do that. Well, absolutely. But uh, it, uh, you know, and the it, it's amazing, you know, how life, you know, goes. I played with Kevin Lockery, and mm-hmm. um, when I was a rookie in Baltimore, and we were friends. Uh, we, in fact, we roomed together uh, along with a couple other guys. And um, I got a, um, I was going to go to uh, law school. Yes. Uh, when I finished my career and got through undergraduate, I was going to go to law school and I was all set to go. And he called one day out of the blue. He was, he had been named the coach of the uh, New York Nets. Yes. Out in, in Long Island. ABA. <laughs> yes, in Long the, Island. Yeah. Long Island. <laughs> and he offered, he offered me a job as an assistant coach. And uh, I said, you know, I'm all set to go out here. I don't know. So anyway, I said, I'll, you know, I'll let you know. Can can you give me a couple of days? So um, about a day went by, and I said to my wife, I said, I've been on, you know, been offered this job, and I'm thinking about it. And she thought that I was crazy. So we had a 
we had a nice lifestyle in Seattle, liked it there. And I was all set to go to law school. So, uh, I said, I think I'd like to do this. So, uh, when she, I wouldn't have done it had she not agreed to it. So that started my odyssey, uh, you know, as an assistant coach and uh, then became a head coach and, you know, it was this, there were a lot of good breaks I got, Yes. you know, along the way in order to get myself in a position to, you know, to, to end up where it ended up. Uh, I had a lot of good breaks. Good, good Lord was good to me. Wow. And, and speaking of, um, you know, being, being good to people that, that translates to you being good to people and relating to people. How did your relationship with the very enigmatic, uh, Marvin Barnes uh, with the spirits of St. Louis. You know, <laughs> how did it, <laughs> how did that relationship help you grow in relating to all different types of people and being even killed? <laughs> you know, Barnes. Um, I, I, when I went with the Nets, we won the championship in my first year there, mm-hmm. and then in my second year, uh, we got not, we had beaten St. Louis. 10 times in a row in the regular season, played them 10 times. Hmm. We won the first game of the playoffs against them. And then they proceeded to beat us four straight games. Wow. So uh, uh, the coach of the St. Louis uh, gave the job up to do, so I don't think he went to, to Buffalo. Buffalo. We was in the NBA at the time, I mm-hmm. think. Bob McKinnon, who oh, McKinnon, was the yeah. coach of St. Louis. So I got named to coach of the Spirits. And I was, you know, 32, 31, 32. I was very young. And um, Marvin was a very, very talented player. Absolutely. who had Yes. Mm-hmm. Who had, uh, he could rebound, score. A little bit like Bernard King, only was bigger. But mm-hmm. they remind they had those little. They got the shot off before you could react. You know, driving to the bucket or around the bucket. But he just had so many diverse things going on off the court yeah. that he could never be what he should have become which was an all-star player, probably a Hall of Fame player, Mm -hmm. uh, if he had been able to, uh, you know, get to what his potential was. He he always had something going on that had nothing to do with basketball. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you know, uh, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore. But he had... You know, I have Maurice Lucas and uh, Barnes on the team. And, you know, Barnes, uh, from the standpoint of statistics, was was the better player. You know, Lucas went on to become the better player. That's right. That's but right. Barnes, uh, Barnes was really, really a gifted and, player. And God rest his soul, too, Maurice Lucas. Yeah, Maurice mm-hmm. Lucas, wonderful guy and, a, you know, when Portland had the great teams with he and Walton, uh, they, he was, he was, uh, yeah, Foster. He was, he was really good player. Yes. Really good player. Absolutely. And, and, and how did, and, and, and it helped, you know, just dealing with Marvin Barnes that helped you be able to be even killed and relate to people better, you know, like better. Right. <laughs> well, I had a lot of sleepless nights trying to deal with Marvin. I'll tell you that. <laughs> He, uh, 
a, a, a kind of a funny story that, you know, we find Marvin, I, you know, a huge amount, you know, for those days, for being late, for, you know, this and that. And um, so, yeah, I'd had so many talks with him. So finally I figured that, you know, I'll really does something well, and then I'll have a talk with him. And we played in Utah, and he had, you know, 25 points and 20 rebounds, and we beat we beat uh, the Utah team. And um, so I, I I grabbed him after the game, and I said, uh, "We need to have a conversation." So he comes up to my room, and we had a great conversation for a couple hours about. You're the best player on our team. There's a responsibility you have uh, to be a leader. There's a responsibility you have to come on time and, you know, and, and be an example. And he agreed with everything. So I'm thinking, finally, I got through to this guy. He missed the bus the next day. Oh, wow. we, we were going from Utah to Denver, and the bus – was pulling out around 12 missed the bus oh. it showed up it showed up a couple of days later when we were playing in Ute in uh, Denver uh, he showed up about three o'clock in the afternoon wow you know for the game wow <laughs> so you know Marvin Marvin did not did not uh, take to authority yeah, <laughs> he had his, he had his own way of and of doing things, and that's the way it was going to be. Wow! But uh, a waste of a big time talent. Yeah, yeah, he was a big time talent for sure, and out of Providence, Providence College. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Ernie D. Yeah, Ernie D. And uh, Marvin. And yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Ernie D. Was a great passer and uh, was on those Buffalo they, Braves they teams. Had, yep. They had a good. I think they went to the Final Four. That's right. They did. They did. They did. And, uh, that year, yeah. Yeah. My pleasure um, to talk with Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Mr. Rod Thorne, and and Mr. Thorne. Now, Jerry Sloan was someone um, that that you worked with. You were hired by the Chicago Bulls to become general manager, uh, to have that uh-huh. opportunity. And Jerry Sloan was 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 a coach that you hired and. And he did. He had some success, but but it wasn't sustained, unfortunately. But then he turned around and joined the Utah Jazz and became a Hall of Fame coach. Um, and you know, and he's known as a fighter, but of course, we know he's battling dementia. Um, talk about what Jerry Sloan represented, the the aspects he had to become the great coach eventually, Utah, and also how is he doing as well? Jerry was. Um... Uh, one of the toughest uh, players of of that era. Yes. Uh, from the standpoint of physical toughness, um, very very good player. Uh, one of the top defensive players. He and Norm Van Leer uh, were like uh, bull bulldogs out there defensively. Uh, rebound, but tough guy. Just a tough guy. And uh, during the time that he was coaching the Bulls, you know, what we do, our team was, you know, we had Artis Gilmore, we had uh, Reggie Theus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, were very talented, talented players, but we didn't have 
we didn't have a very good team, so it, it, it should have been, uh, uh, you know, and, and as it turned out, it should, it was, it was, we just didn't have enough talent. And, uh, so I'm, the, I'm the stupid guy that fired Jerry and, <laughs> and he went on to become a hall of fame coach. <laughs> so, uh, but Jerry was, I had great respect for Jerry and that Jerry was a top class individual mm-hmm. as well as being a, a tremendous player. Yes. And, and Jerry did things the way they were supposed to be done. Uh, he he was just uh, he was just tough. Yes. And uh, uh, when he you know he got to Utah and he you know he he had Stockton and Malone and well they had great teams for a long long time there. That's right. But uh, uh you know it uh, you know he's had some setbacks physically. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll uh, you know get better that way. But one, just a tremendous person, yes. Jerry Sloan. I I I can attest to that. You haven't you haven't like communicated with him or his family at all, right? I haven't talked to him for a while. Okay. Uh, but I uh, I have a couple of real good friends in Utah that keep me abreast of uh, you know what's going on with him. Good. That's good. Um, and I wanted to ask you, this is interesting, 1979 draft. We're going to talk about five years later in 1984 in a second. But the 79, right. NBA, <laughs> the 79 NBA draft, um, are, are you over losing that? coin toss are you over it now or does it still well, sit that, with you <laughs> yeah, you know uh, it, 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 it was you know as, as life is you know something happens it's not you think is not good and you go off in another direction had the bulls won that coin toss and taken magic johnson yep they never would have gotten jordan hmm if that had happened, because they wouldn't have been in a position to draft high enough to get Jordan. Absolutely. So they never would have gotten Jordan barring some crazy trade, <laughs> uh, you know, back at that time. But at the time, I had always been lucky with uh, uh, tails. Anytime I ever flipped a coin, I always called tails. We had a promotion that the fans could pick what they wanted us to do. And the fans wanted us to call heads. So in uh, the uh, coin flip was held in the uh, NBA office in New York. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago. We had a representative there. And Bill Sharman was the, uh, the general manager of the, of the Lakers. So we're on a conference call with the NBA office. And I said, we've had... Uh, we've had our, this promotion with our fans. So, Bill, if you don't mind, I'd like to call it. So Bill said, fine. So <laughs> I call heads. It turned up tails. And uh, oh. we got uh, – uh, we ended up with David Greenwood, who had a nice career, but not near – you know, not nearly what Magic had. Right. Um, but, uh, you know uh, – Milwaukee won a coin flip once upon a time for for uh, Kareem. That's right, Lou. At the time, Lou Alcindor. Mm-hmm. 
Luel Cinder <laughs> and uh, uh, Neil Walk was the second pick. Went to uh, went to uh, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So strange, you know, crazy in a coin flip, crazy things happen. And but then later, when Portland and Houston were in a coin flip, and and uh, Houston won the coin flip. Yes. And took uh, and took Olajuwon. If it had been reversed, if Portland had won the coin flip and Houston had been second, Houston would have taken Michael Jordan. Damn. Because they wow. had Sampson. They had Ralph Sampson. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have taken Bowie or any of those other guys. They would have taken Michael Jordan. Bill Fitch told me that. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. a coach down there at the time. Yes. And so we were unlucky in 79 but we were unbelievably lucky in 84 <laughs> and, and speaking of that unbelievable luck were you completely sold on michael jordan at number three because uh, you were looking at sam perkins his teammate at university of north carolina were, were you were you like dead set on drafting mj at three well i i have become uh friendly with dean smith who was a coach who was a coach at Carolina Absolutely. at that time. Yes, sir. And at the end of every year would Dean would allow allow me to come down and and go into their uh film room and watch watch tape of uh uh of you know ACC type, you know, games. So I would do it every year to get a better idea of ACC players plus to pick Dean's brain. You know, Dean was a wonderful man, and to pick his brain about, you know, about players, and you know, Jordan had been uh, Player of the Year uh, one year, and you know, so it wasn't like he wasn't known. And so I'm down there watch, I'm watching film, and Jordan stands out like a sore thumb. I mean, this guy is really good. Yes. So at the end of the day, I go in and I'm talking with Dean, and I said you know dean jordan looks like he is really good and he said i would never say it for publication but he's the most talented player i've had mm-hmm. from a talent standpoint but i and and you know he would never say that publicly and uh so we were uh if elijah Wan didn't make it to three which you knew he wasn't going to make it to three, then we were going to take Jordan. And I had um, a conversation with Stu Inman, who was the GM of the Trailblazers at the time, and Mm -hmm. about a month before the draft, and we were kibitzing about the draft, and I said, uh, you got to decide who you're going to take yet. And he said if Sam Bowie passed the physical, they were going to take him. And they, you know, a little while later, they were going to give him a physical. So about a week before the draft, I called him and I said, did Bowie pass his physical? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, are you still going to take him? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so I knew, I knew barring, you know, again, you never know when trades come. I knew barring some trade that they were going to take Bowie a week before the draft. Wow. And, 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 and their, their thinking was, you know, was logical. They had 
Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Who was, uh, you know, they just drafted like the year before. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was going to be a big time player. And they had Jim Paxson who also had made the all-star right, team. So they had two, they had two wings that they were very, very happy with. And, you know, Bowie was a good player. He just could never stay healthy. Yeah. But, uh, but to answer, to, uh, you know, I've talked around it now, but to answer it, yeah, we were going to take Jordan unless Elijah Wan got to number three. Wow. And, and, and speaking of Michael Jordan and him being a major star, obviously the greatest basketball player to ever live, um, I, m- most people say that for sure. Um, I want to um, actually share a greeting, another surprise greeting from someone who is a star himself from your Bulls organization. Here we go. Hey, Rock, this is Common. I just wanted to say um, hello and congratulations and many blessings to you. I want to thank you for giving me that ball boy job. When I was 11, yeah, 11, 12 years old, it was an amazing experience for me um, with you being the general manager of the Bulls. And, and, you know, I remember my father asked you, you know, he, he introduced me to you and said, told you that I lived in Chicago and you told me to write a letter. And, uh, to, and I actually wrote the letter and you actually gave me the job. So, I mean, that was a beautiful thing. You did so much for me. That was opened me up to a whole new world to be able to be there and be a ball boy for the Bulls and see Michael Jordan first coming in and see you as general manager handling that situation. And, um, man, I just want to say thank you for blessing me with that. Thank you for respecting my dad and, and all you've done for for the game and just for, you know, bringing integrity and, and bringing people together, you know, for this game. So I just want to say congratulations and blessings. All right, Rod, this is coming. Much love. <laughs> I wanted to share that I'll with you that from Common. How about that? How about that? You know, his uh, Common's Common's father, Lonnie Lynn, yes, was a player and a good player. And uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he he became a ball boy for the Bulls, and then uh, he got into different things, and his career is taken off. I mean, he's big time now. Yes, he is. But uh, he always was a very, very bright, nice young man, is what I remember about him from those days. He was he was a respectful guy, but he was bright, and he hardworking, and it obviously paid off for him. Yes, it has. Yes, you it know, has. we were in a movie. We were in a movie. Oh, just right, Common just right. It was just right. Queen Latifah. Yes, and, and I had I had like a two lines. That's right. <laughs> it was the movie. I, I believe just right was the name of the movie. I believe just right. right. Yeah, just right. It's a cute movie at uh, Common and Queen Latifah. Paula Patton, if I remember correctly. Yes, Paula was Patton. also in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> But he's uh, he he's certainly gone on to bigger and better things. Yes, indeed. Wow, and and, and <laughs> <laughs> we're talking with uh, the Hall of Famer, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, and Renaissance Man, Mr. Rod Thorne, on the third episode of Where They At. And uh, Mr. Thorne, you became the um, the NBA 
uh, vice vice president of basketball operations for the NBA, but you also were able to select uh, the U.S. national teams, which involved NBA players in 1992, 96, and 2000. And, you know, the dream team was, of course, they were put together to, it was redemption for 1988, a team of college players that, that were, that lost to the Soviets and ended up getting the bronze medal. But was it, was it more than redemption that the NBA was after? Or, you know, was it, was international growth the purpose as well for having those superstars on the team in Barcelona? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think, you know, in thinking back to that time, there were two countries that voted against uh, letting professionals come into uh, the Olympics uh, basketball-wise. They were the United States and Russia both voted against it. So it wasn't like that there was a master plan that, you know, we're going to grow basketball all over the world, which is how it turned out to be. But both countries voted against it. Hmm. And, uh, uh, but it, it, anyway, it, it got passed and, Russ Granick and myself, uh, the commissioner, charged us with putting a team together, you know, to in 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 essence to talk to the to the players that we identified and and uh, get them to play. And uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really hard to get the players, and we ended up with the uh, you know the greatest team ever assembled in basketball anyway, and. Uh, to see how they were received in Barcelona, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. They were like the Beatles or some <laughs> famous rock group that they couldn't go anywhere without being mobbed by fans. And they won every game very, very easily. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I give Jordan a lot of credit for it because if he had been selfish, if he had, I'm going to show everybody that I'm the man, then it wouldn't have worked nearly as well. He didn't care who scored. In fact, Barkley was the leading scorer. That's right. And rebounder on the team. And, uh, but, but Jordan, you know, when they needed him to play, he played. And, you know, when they didn't, uh, you know, he didn't. So I think his unselfishness really helped that team uh you know become i mean they could have won without him uh but it it was a greater experience plus plus he was so good at that time you know he was at the height of his powers yes yeah uh, you know then and it was a, a a marvelous experience you know those players you know, you know the personalities of of magic and Bird and and Michael and uh, all those other great great players they had. Yes. You know Barkley. Mm-hmm. Barkley became a legend. That's right. And he, with MVP his, with his antics. That with his oh the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he became you know, MVP that later that year. I mean, oh, he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He, he was uh, Charles was unbelievable. He uh, he would go out. He didn't. He'd go out on La Brambla. Uh, night and two, couple hundred people would follow him down the Rambo and they'd stop and have a beer. 
<laughs> with uh, he, he was he was unbelievable. Wow, he really was, and yes. and uh, he put on a show every night too. Yes, he's the life of the party to say the least. <laughs> Charlie, yeah, yes. he's uh, he's uh, he's a great thing for basketball. I think he, he Charles does a lot of really good things that don't you know don't get the publicity that maybe some of the things he says, cause he says anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he's, he is, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy, Charles. Well, and during this time you worked very closely with, um, Mr. David Stern, who unfortunately made the transition. What resonated the most in your dealings with him? Uh, well, there there are so many things about David. David, number one, is very very smart. Uh, number two, uh, he made himself know as much about television as the people that ran the television networks. Mm-hmm. He knew as much about advertising as the people that do that for a living. He knew every. He knew probably the thing he knew least about was basketball. Uh, because he just, you know, he wasn't a player and he hadn't, uh, he didn't have the background for that, but he loved the game and he became very, very knowledgeable about it, you know, over the course of time. Uh, but he was, uh, uh, but, but the one thing that always stood out to me is he could be in a room with very, very powerful people and invariably what he thought would be what came out of that room. He could convince people to do what he felt should be done. And in 98% of the time he was correct (laughs) with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he had that ability to get people to go along with whatever he wanted to do. Wow. That's powerful. Not Not many people have that. Not many people have that. Not many at all. Not many at all. And, mm-hmm. and and in working with him and working with Russ Granite and, and, and being able to really, because the NBA just totally skyrocketed while you were there and, and the league in general um, was just uh, becoming a global game and also becoming so relevant and inspiring for youth around the country. What made you move on to join the New Jersey Nets? How did the dialogue start? And being a general manager, team president, uh, you know, were you hesitant to build a team from scratch, or or were you convinced that you wanted that challenge immediately? Well, you know, during I was my first uh, sojourn with the NBA, I was there for fourteen and a half years, and during that fourteen and a half years. I was offered several jobs as a GM of, of various teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, never took them. Uh, then when I was offered the net job, it appealed to me for a couple of different reasons. One, I wouldn't have to move. I lived in Westchester County in Rye. And uh, if I went with the Nets, I could still live there. You know, it was about a, hour commute each way but it was doable and I always felt that why couldn't the Nets be the drawing card and every bit as good if not better than the Knicks Hmm. 
And w- w- why why can they not be good? You know, you're 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 uh, right across the river from New York City, which is you know the the top city in the in the country. Mm-hmm. And you you should be able to um, get you know get players to want to come there. And uh, I just had felt you know being with the league that long and observing what went on that Jersey was uh, uh, New Jersey was a sleeping giant. And so I ended up taking it. And uh, you know the first year we had a we had a tough year. We had some good players, but they just didn't go together. And then when we traded for Jason Kidd, ah. then that made that made our team. Uh, Jason was a great player, but we were a poor defensive team. He was a great defender. Uh, we were a poor rebounding team. He was a great def- uh, rebounder for a guard. We had no chemistry, and he was the epitome of a guy who who uh, gives you chemistry. So all of the things we were bad in, that's what kid was good in. And when we got him, you know, then we, you know, we had Keith Van Horn and we had Kenyon Martin. Those those guys were good players. Mm-hmm. And we signed uh, Todd McCullough uh, as, as a center. And we had Kerry Kittles had, you know, he had been out the previous year with a bad knee. So he came back and we drafted Richard Jefferson. Uh, Jason Collins and uh, Armstrong, who never didn't really make it, but uh, well, actually, uh, you drafted uh, Eddie Griffin and you traded for those guys. That's what's even better. Well, that yeah, move. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, and, and a little sidelight to that when when we drafted Griffin and then we traded him for those three picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys who was doing the uh, the broadcast, the television broadcast of it, uh, during one of the timeouts, we still had the uh, – we could still hear what was going on, and he said, that is the dumbest thing I have ever seen. What are they doing? Mm. Trading Eddie Griffin for these, for these guys. And mm-hmm. uh, turned out pretty well for us. Oh, for sure. And and I have to say, I felt that was a great deal because I was a big Richard Jefferson fan coming out of Arizona. They, I, I well, Richard, could, yeah, R- Richard was a very very good basketball player, mm-hmm. and he had a great personality. Um, he, he's going to do really well. Uh, Jason Collins helped us in that he was yes. tough, yes. and he could guard, and he would sacrifice himself, and. Uh, you know, we ended up having the best record in the Eastern Conference and uh, won, you know, got to the finals and uh, ran, ran into Kobe and Shaq. No. <laughs> and, uh, we, we weren't ready for those guys. And then t- and then uh, the next year, Timmy, Timmy Duncan. <laughs> you know, that year, uh, all due respect to, to uh, San Antonio, we had, a, we had a 50-50 chance with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers – you know, we had about a 5% chance with them. But with San Antonio, we were better. We had more experience. And, uh, you know, we're 2-2. And we played one of the worst games we had played all year, which obviously San Antonio had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But the final score was like 
89 to 84. I mean, it, we could not make a shot, mm-hmm. you know, in the game. And then we ended up losing when we had a big lead in the last game. So that one, you know, we, we, we had a good chance in that series, but uh, they just uh, ended up beating us. And Duncan was the difference. Yeah, you know Duncan, great player. That's right. And David Robinson, his last year in the league, he was able to win that. David Robinson's last year, yeah. and uh, that was a pretty good dynamic duo. And then they had uh, Ginobili was terrific. Tony and, Parker, mm-hmm. they, they were good. Yes, yeah, you know, they they had a good team, but we were really good that year too. And S. Jack, Stephen Jackson, hit a big shot in that game he six. Hit, yeah. He, he, he hit, and we he he was a you know when I first got to the team we had Stephen. Oh. Uh, Steve, Stephen Stephen was a very uh, talented player. Yeah, very. Uh, and and had no fear, mm-hmm. no fear whatsoever. Take any shot at any time, and think he was going to make it. One of those guys. That's right. But he was talented. Yes. Plus he was big. Yeah. He was a big big guy. Very much at, at the guard position. Yeah. Speaking of a tough no fear type of guy, I want to share another greeting from someone who was actually the first player you were to acquire as president of the Nets. Here we go. What up, Rod? It's Kmart. Um, Yo, man, I just want to tell you, man, it's been a long time. It's been 20 years, can you believe it? Since we first interacted, man, since we drafted. It's been great years, great times we had, man. Playing rides, playing cards, all the above. Um, sitting up watching you ants around, um, doing games and stuff, folding the stat sheet and cussing. Um, I miss those days, man. But um, so wish you all the best, man. Uh, you ain't paid. Thanks. <laughs> From Kenyon Martin, <laughs> the, your first pick you with know, the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> one of my favorite players ever mm-hmm. in that nobody was tougher. You know, we went from being a soft uh really soft team to a tough team and Kenyon was the uh he was the guy he was so tough he put up with nothing from anybody mm-hmm. I don't care who it was and he could finish he could run the court he could guard he was a tremendous player and had a huge heart you know one of those guys that just Never gave up. Was tough as nails. Loved him. Yes, great guy too. And you know, good guy. And, uh, he was, as I said, one of my favorite players ever. Yes, indeed. And he's such a great guy because he, he, you know, I called him up a couple of days ago and he was able to give that greeting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 and his son, <laughs> his son is extremely talented. Ken his Martin son Jr. is great. You know, I saw him uh, work out in uh, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and Kenyon was there. You know, I saw Kenyon there. He was at the workout. There were a lot of, you know, scouts in in their uh, college, but, you know, looking at him. But what an athlete. What a tremendous athlete. Not quite as big as his dad, but, but a tremendous athlete and a really nice young man. Yes, indeed. And I have a couple more questions for you, actually, Um, because you after the Nets job, you went on to the Philadelphia 76ers and and that team upset 
uh, provided an upset of coincidentally the Chicago Bulls in the first round yeah. of the 2012 playoffs. But but then you became an advisor, you know, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And as we all know, we see right now a player that is giving all time greatness on the court in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And now your contribution as an advisor and being able to help the Bucks build that personnel, they've emerged as the best team in the NBA now. And and did you see Giannis being possibly he could possibly when it's all said and done be a top ten player in this league? Well his I, I can't say that I thought he was going to be this good. Uh, I can't say that. But Giannis has a work ethic. There's no one that works any harder than Giannis. Yeah, mm-hmm. as Giannis's body has gotten fill, has filled out and gotten bigger, you're talking about a seven foot guy that weighs 240 pounds and plays downhill all night every night. Mm-hmm. He never. He never takes a night night off, that guy. You know, where, oh, I don't feel good. I'll just go through the motions, that kind of thing. That guy tries to, you know, beat you in the ground every night. He's As he his shot has gotten better, he keeps getting better. He always could pass. He always could handle a ball. Uh, he always could get to the bucket. You know, he's so long. His shot needed to get better. Now it's getting better. Uh, the key for Giannis and Anabux is number his free throw shootings down this year. He's got to get that up into the seventies, you know, when the, when the playoffs come and he's got to be able to make some outside shots. If he does that, they'll be very hard to beat. Yes. Yes. Indeed. If he doesn't do it, then, you know, they may or may not, you know, make it, but, but they're good. Uh, uh, John Horst has done an incredible job putting pieces around him. Uh, just an incredible job. You know, he's for a young general manager in this league. He's been fantastic. And, uh, he, they, they did it again. You know, they picked up Robin Lopez. They picked up Kyle Corver. They picked, uh, Wesley Matthews, uh, Wesley Matthews, Wesley Matthews. You know, because they they were going to lose, they were going to lose Middleton or they were going to lose Brogdon. They ended up losing Brogdon, who's a terrific player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've added pieces. Plus, Divincenzo now is healthy. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have good. They have, they're they're good. Yes, they're good. Yes, indeed. They're going to be very interesting to see if they can redeem themselves from last year's uh, conference finals loss to the eventual champions, the Raptors, uh, with Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, last year, uh, Bledsoe did not play well against Toronto. He was good against Boston, and he was good against Detroit. But Mm -hmm. against Toronto, they didn't guard him. They just Mm -hmm. loaded up on Giannis and Mm -hmm. let Giannis shoot. And, he, and Giannis couldn't make enough shots, and, and Bledsoe didn't play well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if uh, uh, they're going to have to, you know, in the East, you've got Boston, you've got Philly, uh, you've got Toronto, you've got Miami. Uh, but you got some, you got some good teams. They're going to have to, they're going to have to beat a couple of. Them. That's right. And uh, it's not going to be easy. And then you got, you know, the Lakers got two of the five best players in the league on their team. 
<laughs> and and the Clippers with with two the of the Clippers top ten players in the league. They got one of the five best. <laughs> they got one of the five best, and then the guy's about eleven <laughs> on their team. So you know, and then you got uh, uh, you know Houston is awfully good too. Mm-hmm. So uh, the you know to, the the Lakers will are the favorite. You know, and uh, I would say right now, but that can change. You know, who knows what's going to happen. But the Lakers, Lakers look awfully good. Well, they do, they do. And 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 speaking of, it's it's very funny about the playoffs. There are radical potential rule changes that can happen as early as twenty one, twenty twenty one, twenty two that mm-hmm. season, uh, which I believe will be the seventy fifth year of the NBA. I believe that will be the seventy fifth anniversary yeah. of the league that season. Yeah. You know, seventy eight game regular season, reducing from eighty two to seventy eight. Thirty team in season tournament, a la soccer, in the middle of the season, like between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, play in tourney for the seventh, seventh and eighth seed, which, you know, you you will have the seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds playing for a playoff spot, and then the final four reseed of the conference finals, reseeding the teams, no matter what conference they're from. Does the right. NBA need to make this radical change? Because they're already engaging to the public and they're already tremendously popular. Do you think they need this radical change right now? Uh, I think the NBA got a bad break this year. And they got a bad break. Uh, you know, the ratings have not been what what you would like. and But basically because uh, the demise of Golden State, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all their players being hurt. Uh, and secondly, uh, Zion Williamson getting hurt. Exactly. Uh, the Pelicans were featured in a bunch of, of the TV, top TV games early, as well as uh, the Warriors. And the Warriors have you know, probably got the worst record in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zion hasn't played. So, if those two things had not occurred, uh, then I think ratings would be fine. Uh, the NBA has been talking about the things you talked about for a while, uh, and it looks as if uh, you know it may be incorporated in the next couple of years, some of them. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if all of them will be incorporated. Uh, you know, the major soccer has midseason tournaments, I think, that's where the, that idea came from. Uh, the one about reseeding, uh, you know, the Western teams have been wanting to do that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one through 16. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know how that goes. <laughs> well, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, well, but Mr. Thorne, I, I want to conclude uh, this podcast by reading a quote about you. And I think, you know, sure. you mentioned this gentleman earlier, um, you know, a person that was very influential in the direction of your career. Rod's done everything in the NBA, more so than any one individual, from assistant to head coach, player, general manager, team president. I think he's had more jobs involved in the NBA than anyone else. Outstanding athlete, great tennis player and golfer, too. Great intelligence, fantastic people skills, knows the game top to bottom. 
Like we say in coaching, it's not the X's and O's, but the Jim's and Joe's. So he can make the transition he did, and they're not easy. And that was from your compadre that you talked about earlier, uh, Kevin Lockery. And (laughs) he couldn't be as accurate. He couldn't be as accurate in in that quote. Well, Kevin, Kevin, uh, uh, I owe Kevin a lot. He he was great to me, and... I can, you know, he was, a, you know, we were compadres for, you know, for a long time. And uh, he he's just a wonderful guy. Yes, indeed. And before you go, all-time West yeah. Virginia starting five. Your all-time starting five, West Virginia <laughs> University. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Jerry, Rod Hunley. <laughs> uh, after that, I don't know, probably me. And a of course, <laughs> and a couple. They've had some good players, you know. The kid that got hurt West a couple of years ago when they went to the Final Four. Oh, oh, Deshaun, Deshaun Butler, Deshaun Butler, uh, Butler, yeah, Butler. He uh, he was a very good player. They had a kid named Robinson who was a terrific player, scored a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lloyd Cher back in the day was an All American. Uh, Mark uh, Mark Workman. Right, was a great player there. They they've had a lot of good players, but uh, West being number one, <laughs> <laughs> as long as, as without long, a doubt. And I know you had to name yourself for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, wow. But um, Mr. Thorne, honor okay. and a pleasure oh, to feature you. you. Thank you so oh, much for you joining us. Much. Where they at? Thank okay, you, sir. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. And that concludes the third episode of Where They At. Wow, such an honor to speak with Mr. Rod Thorne. I want to thank my producers, Nadia Ramdas and Matt McConico. Also, I want to thank uh, the gentleman that contributed greetings for Mr. Thorne in common, a.k.a. Rashi Lin, Kenyon Martin, also Bob Huggins. I want to thank those three for contributing greetings. And also I want to thank the two gentlemen last week that contributed greetings to um, Mr. David Robinson, Vinny Del Negro, and Branford Marcellus. Last but not least, one of one productions here in Fort Lee, Fela and Dennis. Thank them both for providing such a wonderful atmosphere to record where they at in. And my name is Nabate Owls once again. Have a wonderful, happy, and blessed new year, new decade, and I will be back soon. Take care, everybody. <laughs>